We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey everybody, it's Michael Antonovich with Swap Moto Live bringing you this episode of the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. Uh, as many of you guys know, this week I decided to drive up to Winterset, Iowa for the Justin Brayton shootout at Riverside Raceway. It's pretty much just a big local race, uh, but JB being a local guy, grew up like an hour and a half away from here in Fort Dodge. He's made it a point every year to come back, reconnect with all the people that he grew up with, have some good good times, spend some laps on his bike, whatever he's on at that time. So yeah, it's been it's been a cool deal. Amid all of this COVID-19 thing that we find ourselves in right now, this is one of the few big races going on. Um, in Iowa, everything's been clear, so don't think that this is one of those sketchy, they're going under the radar, state health officials, local police, everybody's signed off on it. What Tony, the track owner here, has done is, is amazing. It's a very cool thing. Um, huge turnout. I think they said over 500 race entries here. If you come down this hill on the highway, you just look in this hole and it's just car after car, motorhome after motorhome, dirt bikes everywhere. It's It's been a rad thing to see, especially after being so caught up in the will we race, pro racing, will we not, all this stuff of the last few weeks. Yeah, the, the cool thing was going to be there has been no big races going on. A lot of local pro guys, uh, pro guys from around the country, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, all over, have made the trip to come here. I really just wanted to hang out with my friends. Uh, Jeff Crutcher is one of my closest friends, known him for like five or six years by now, but in a short time, he's become like one of the guys that I'm closest to. He's just as passionate about moto as I am. We grew up in the same era, so we can talk nerd stuff about, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember this little detail? Colors of gear, advertisements that, you know, win ads that were in Cycle News or Racer X or Transworld, whatever. Like, we remember all this stuff. The cool thing for Jeff is all of the guys that he grew up racing in Kansas City as a kid are all still racing now. And all of these guys have made it a very cool thing where they meet up at the races, even if it's a practice day or whatever, over these last few years. And as I'm out here watching, I didn't bring a bike here. Uh, If I'm going to go to Utah and do these last few Supercross races, I didn't think it would be wise to run the risk of getting hurt because with my luck, that's what would happen. So I'm just watching friends of friends have a good time and the thing that caught me most by surprise as I was up here is the demographic of racing right now especially as we're talking about it at this event seems like it's all 25 to like 40 year old dudes a lot of guys like mid 30s are all out here riding and these are the guys that were those amateur kids super mini 125a 250a whatever in the early 2000s that were just thinking I'm going to be the next guy and I have these pro racing dreams. And maybe they did and maybe they didn't and that's whatever. But the thing that has been the great thing to see is how much fun they're still having. So with Jeff with me, you know, Jeff's a fast guy. He's lined up for a handful of like, you know, national attempts. Local, very fast dude. Watching him ride, it's been cool to see. He's way quicker than I'll ever be. Um, but him and all of his buddies have had these awesome battles. So I wanted to talk with Jeff about how cool it is now to be this guy that knows, hey, you're not racing for this high-level stress. So, Crutcher, 
Give me a little bit of insight on your crew up here, this Kansas City crew that drives everywhere in the Midwest. Well, the thing is, it's not just Kansas City. And I like to think of my my closest dudes that I spend most of my time with. I can, like, if I had to give us a nickname, like every crew has a nickname, our nickname is the proprietors. Because every single one of us, we are so passionate about motocross, and it's what we love to do, and we're all... I'm not saying like on the way out, but we are changing from being the guys that, you know, we're not pounding the pavement. We're not, you know, jumping on road bikes and spinning 60 miles in a day and then hitting the gym and going and doing training laps. I just quit my full-time job of 10 years so I could uh, run my graphic and coffee businesses full-time. Rip and ruts and gimmick. Uh, yeah. So shout yeah. out for those. Big Thank fan of both. And then, um, like some of my closest dudes, Scott Gebkin, Nick Peterson, Vince Monteleone. Um, of course, I'm under pressure right now, and I'm thinking, oh, don't screw up. Brent don't Rouse. Yeah, Brent Rouse, thank you. So, um, I mean, like, there are so many of us guys that are, like, 25 to 35 that uh, – can I cuss on here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're still fast as fuck, okay? Yeah. Like, we hold the throttle wicked, but also – we have a full-time job. Yeah. Okay, but but the thing is, it's not like we are, um, you know, we're not racing for glory. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, listen, I know that Wade Bromwell's going to kick my ass. I know that I'm not going to be able to hold a candle to Zach Williams. Okay, mm -hmm. Kevin Moran's, you know, he's the next great white hope from our region. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so it's, I mean, the thing is, is like, I can't, I can't um, do anything for the industry by just being another guy that shows up and rides 250A and 450A and is getting, you know, if there's like today 38 guys and I'm mid-pack. I mean, yeah, that's a two-stroke thing, but I'm not going to get off on that tangent right now. But, I mean, it's like what I don't want to do is I don't want to just be, um, you know, bantha fodder, essentially. Like, yeah. I, it is my intention to – bring something to the sport outside of just being another dude at the track. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stems from my, my um, being so passionate about the sport. And, you know, same thing goes with Scott. He has innovative motocross schools. Vince has uh, Lap King. Bolt, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Brent is um, the rider rep for Bolt. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nick Peterson... He's, he has uh, Bikeworks LLC. He runs his own mechanic shop in North Kansas City. Everybody, essentially, I mean, practically everybody that we're out there racing with and plus 25A, they, if they're not still racing full-time, they're racing and have a side hustle or they have a full-time job and a side hustle mm -hmm. in the industry and they're still racing. And, like, the thing that gets so cool about that, like, I'm very fortunate. I knew from the time I was 12, 13, 14 years old, like, I want to be a media guy. No ifs, ands, or buts. I want to be that. I thought about being a goggle guy, all that, but I really knew what I wanted. I wanted to go travel and see this stuff and yeah. watch the races as close as I could because I knew that's all I knew. For you guys, you have totally put it on end of, like, you don't have to be the gear guy for Fox. You don't have to be – or the gear guy for Fly because of Fly Podcast. You don't have yeah. to have that super pro racing industry job – and think, hey, this is the only way that I can have 
a toe in the water to feel like I'm connected to the sport I love so much. You have to find a way to make your own thing to give back. And listen, I'm, I feel like I'm connected enough that yeah. I, I could make enough phone calls to um, find myself into a rep position or be a goggle guy or something like that. But it doesn't interest me because honestly, it's like whenever you start to take that that curve into the professional industry, it seems like your ability to ride it goes tanks. Way down, it goes straight up. Yeah. I mean, I just said, I decided, hey, I'm not going to ride for three days because if I get hurt, I don't get to do my real job. Right. And so I don't want to, I'm not ready to sacrifice that. Scott's not. Vince is not. Mm-hmm. Brent is not. I mean, like, all, I mean, we all had our pro licenses last year. And I mean, we're still competitive where we still you know like want to get out there and i mean wick the throttle and and go and go fast but the fun part is is that we're all buds mm-hmm. and like this plus 25 a class that we that i i only raced one class today because you know there was inclement weather and i was like uh, i don't want to race in the mud so i figured if i am going to i'd rather do it with all the guys that i grew up racing against in 80 mod 9 to 13 at the nma grand championships at ponca city yeah now i don't like i'm not like a a, a huge um fan of of the uh amateur national system the way that it is now because it seems like every other race is its own national or whatever obviously there's loretta's but then outside of that what i am a fan of because all those races have way too much hype on them it puts a lot of pressure on kids and now all of a sudden mom and dad are taking out third fourth fifth mortgages to be able to afford to go race dirt bikes Mm -hmm. dude i grew up in a 1993 aerostar van with a tri-rail and a kx60 Okay. Now, obviously, a lot of guys came up in my era in that like grassroots. Mm-hmm. We're going racing, and if we can hit an amateur national, it's it's you know just the cherry on top of the cake. Yeah. See, like my dad would tease me, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we'll let you go to one of these qualifiers," but he knew I wasn't fast enough to make it, so he's like, "I'm not gonna shatter the kid's illusion that he's gonna have fun." But at the same time, too, I put way too pressure on myself, thinking like, "Oh, I got to take this seriously." That it stopped being fun. Right. You guys are past that point now. And and the fun part is that we're all boys, mm-hmm. okay? We're all in text groups together. And, like, you know, I went, I did Mosier. I did Lake Whitney. I did Punk. I did Loretta's, Branson. Um, and then all the, you know, I've done every, practically every regional in North Central and South Central area qualifiers. And so I grew up from... Let's see, my first Loretta qualifier was 1997. And so I grew up banging bars with these guys that, like, we've all kind of stuck around. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't stuck around, a lot of those guys are coming back. And there's nothing I love more than essentially every weekend being a North Central, South Central class reunion. Yeah. And the plus 25 class is exactly that. Lucky for us, I mean, we have the plus 25A class. So guys like us, it's it's a catch-22. I love riding plus 25 because it's, although we're going fast, it's it's like 95% pace mm-hmm. as opposed to 250A or Pro Sport or the 450 class where we have, it's not, I mean, like these guys are out there for 
for, for glory, for pride, for, you know, for competition. The benefactor is they make money doing it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the plus 25 class, the mindset is these are my boys and, and I need bragging rights. Mm-hmm. So then whenever Vince goes back to Texas, uh, Brent goes back to California, Scott goes back on the other side of Kansas City and we're all texting each other. And another writer, uh, Brad Depringer, he does he does um, motocross schools and builds tracks. He's from up here. Ricky Draper, um, he like fucking smoked me so bad, and and I'm so irritated with it. But uh, you know, Ricky has um, a uh, what do I what is it called? It's like corporate furniture moving. Mm-hmm. Him and his dad do that. So like everybody, listen, we're all like still in it together and and the competition is there the speed is there like plus 25a was a goddamn barn burner today was, the, dude, the, like i was pumped watching on the side of the track yeah no you could feel it from the side of the track totally. okay so plus 25a today the top 10 professionally licensed right professionally licensed writers mm-hmm. now i i don't have my license this year i had it last year so i mean i'm saying at one time they all had their card and like you as a third party guy, like you saw it, you can see it. Like whenever we're pulling up to the line and we're setting in staging and they're calling our number and we're up there yucking it up, you know, making dick and fart jokes and it's all a good time. It's a very different vibe than whenever we go up for 250A mm-hmm. and there's 16, 17, 18 year old kids that like have everything to prove. Mm-hmm. And, you know, dad's pouring money and they've got sponsors, you know, that are, that are writing them checks and like the pressure's on. Whereas for us, we're in control of our money and our assets mm-hmm. and we're riding the bikes that we want to ride. Like every single one of us out in plus 25A. Okay, I'm on a, I'm on a 2018 KTM 250 SX. Vince rode a 2000 CR500. Mm-hmm. Um, that was clean. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I did the graphics on it. So, um, you know, Scott's on, on a couple year old 450. Uh, Draper, he's on a couple year old 450. And like, I think that it shows that, or before I say that, like I said, we're screwing around in, in mm-hmm. staging. Then we go down to the gate, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, kind of high fives and fist pumps and stuff, which like, that's the way it was whenever we were riding 80s together. Mm-hmm. You know, before that, like, this was pre getting signed, um, you know, getting the team green deals or the, or, or let me rephrase the Kawasaki contract. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no, there were no kids getting million dollar signing bonuses on the 85s. Whenever I was a kid, you know, there was nothing like that. And so because of that, it has changed the sport and made it this, like, it's like overly professionalized on the amateur level or more specifically the grassroots level. And so because of that, it, it, it's it you can see the fun difference the fun factor is very different between um my age group regardless of what class we're riding and then the newer generations mm-hmm. but also you know we know there's i mean listen we're hitting 35 mile an hour on some of those straights you know we're riding you know these guys are i'm on a two-stroke but these guys are on 450s and like we all know how to go fast. Yeah. And we've been going fast together for 15 years plus. Okay. So like there's a comfortability out there, but also, you know, like, yeah, we're making jokes, but dude, as soon as you put the goggles on, you fire the bike up 
you can see, you can see it and I can feel it. And, and, you know, like, you know, I'm sitting next to Vince and he's doing his thing where he's like getting into the bike and shit and I'm cleaning mine out and I'm, you know, I got my goggle strap going and I'm doing the, you know, like, like focusing my breathing and I'm zoned in dude. And it just all clears out and, and, you know, 30 card, uh, go sideways and it's just like it's right there it's still there you know the adrenaline's pumping you hit that zen state before the gate even drops and it's like it's different than like a novice class or or like you know plus 45 or something like that because we've still got it we know how to do it and we but it's going to be fun mm-hmm. and we're gonna race each other clean too okay so to that point of that whole pre-race thing you guys still were. I could still see some like, hey, there's some seriousness to this. We got to set some whole shot devices. We got to like get right. ready. I'm gonna turn this thing on. Um, there was that element. The like the instant that I knew though that I was like, oh, this is serious. Like I should pay attention to how much fun these guys are about to have. Was behind me. The 30 second card went sideways. Vince was next to you on the starting line, and both of you guys both went and pointed your heads down to look at the pin on the gate at the exact same time. And yeah. I watched it through the viewfinder. I'm like, oh shit. They really still know what to do. This is going to be fucking burly. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Because, like, A, I've been star for watching fast guys on dirt bikes for so long. Yeah. But, like, B, I like I liked to see this stuff happen because I know how fun this is. Like, that's why I wanted to be a little, like, that's why I've dreamed about being a racer since I was five years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that competitiveness and all that fun. But you guys, like you've explained really well, have flipped it totally on end. It's not anymore dad's paying all this money dad's gonna freak out we drove this far Mm -hmm. if i bend my bars in this first practice i can't go ride my pit bike i can't you can't do anything the minute that and this isn't to say that the parents are the problem but the minute that it becomes your responsibility and that you realize like hey i have to start funding this thing you really start appreciating it way more absolutely and part of being okay so from going you know it's so funny because Every person that's listening to this or has ever rode a motorcycle at one time dreamed of being a factory rider. I Every day. Okay. Yet, there are so many of us, myself included, and, I mean, let's be honest, practically all 650 entries here today, I mean, I look around, there's $100,000 in that trailer. There's $100,000. There's $100,000. And, like, yeah, there are people out here with... $500,000 fund movers mm-hmm. or show haulers, you know, and the kid's got a $10,000 motor and a full, you know, uh, carbon fiber Yoshimura exhaust. And it'll always be that. There will always be that element. Absolutely. Yes. And you know what? We need those people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we need um, Johnny Potatoes from three miles up the road that brought his Ford Aerostar and Tri-Rail trailer. Mm-hmm. So w- still on a grassroots level, Motocross still has that, like, very wide spectrum of I'm here for fun and we're here for serious. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of mingles together. Motocross racers, um, if, if you have ever been driven to the track by someone else, had someone else unload, and I, I don't care if it's mom, dad, buddy, you know, man, friend, girlfriend, had somebody unload your bike, start your bike, put gas in your bike you are in the trailer you're putting your gear on you know you're saying hi to your friends whatever and then you go up to the starting gate with dad on the back of the bike or something like that let me tell you something that's a factory ride 
Oh yeah. Because whenever you whenever you start to take away the fact that like no, there's no contracts. No, there are no endorsement deals. No, there are. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not. You know, you're not getting free Fox gear or, or fly gear. Um, but the thing is, is that like, it took me three years of paying every for everything by myself. Whenever you know, of like going out there, hitting the privateer road, like being on privateer island and just scratching and clawing, just trying to get off to be a you know a factory rider whenever I, I I broke it down and I was thinking holy shit I had a factory ride until I was 16 mm-hmm. from the day that I started until the day I was 16 full factory ride and okay you and your dad like two weeks ago we had this big phone call because you guys went down to South America and rode motorcycles and that's awesome too like that's these whole family memory things mm-hmm. And never, that should always be the most important thing because I've been thinking a lot about the whole high-hype amateur motocross deal. You really have to enjoy that stuff when you're doing it because when you get older, that's the stuff you go back and think about. Right. You don't think about the days that you won. You just think about the fun times, the road trips. Yeah, certain guys, you might remember key moments of a moto, a pass, a turn, whatever, but the bigger picture is how much fun you had the whole time. Yeah, and I mean, between riding pit bikes or you know, uh, riding bicycles around the pit, tearing shit up on golf carts. I mean, we're all, see, I know this is a tough pill to swallow, but like everybody here is a little bit entitled. Oh, totally. And also is a little bit, I mean, like, listen, there, yes, there are people that struggle to make it to the races, but listen, if you've got the, the Chevy Silverado and you have the Honda 450 in the back of your truck, let's be honest we're all doing fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it kind of, I know that that's not very fun to think, you know, to think, oh, well, you know, yeah, I've got it made. But, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is like everybody, you know, then you start looking around the pits and, yeah, that dude's got five bikes. And it's like, damn, I can't, you know, I can't race that guy. Uh, and that's growing up. You, you know, you get those weird projections in your head. But at my age, in my demographic, it all goes away because you're the one that's footing the bill. Mm-hmm. You're the one making the choices. Now, there are some guys that it just gets too much and they're like, screw this, I'm out. Like, I, I want to have a family. I can't do this any longer. But then there are other guys, you know, like my crew of friends and the guys that I ride with, the guys that I participate with, and the guys in the plus 25 class today. I mean, it's all, it's, I mean, it's all high fives and chest bumps. Mm-hmm. And it's because. We all started out together. And even even though I never raced Derek Anderson until uh, the Pro-Am at Brush MX or uh, Sweeney and Brush last year, I never raced Derek Anderson. I knew who he was. I grew up in the same age range as him. Mm-hmm. We just never really, you know, meshed out on – I mean, I'm sure we rode Super Mini together at, at Lake Whitney or something like that. But, like, there's a camaraderie that we have there. You know, him and I were on the same playing field out there. And so it's it's really fun for us to all grow up racing together. And whether it's, you know, on on the same exact starting gate or not, you know, whether a year or two apart. And we all go our own way. You know, this guy made it. This guy did, you know, I'm using air quotes, didn't make it. This guy, you know, quit and came back, still super talented, can, you know, wick the throttle. As like we all kind of converge back to racing, it's so funny because everybody goes back to the grassroots, mm-hmm. and it's because it's the most fun. 
And motocross, above everything else, is supposed to be one thing, and that one thing is fun. And it's really easy to forget that for mom and dad whenever they're the ones that are writing the checks. Mm-hmm. There was a dad, this kid was in like, it was one of the C classes or something today. This kid went from like fifth to third or something on the last two laps. Mm-hmm. I was pumped. Like, I was pumped watching the kid because that kid put in a charge. I'm like, that kid should be pumped on that. And I look over and his dad is freaking out because he didn't get first. It's like, dude, he's 16 years old in the C class. Just let him have this moment. Let him have this fun because this is the thing that's going to keep him involved in it. And one day, hopefully, he goes, man, I'm going to have kids. I can't wait to get my kid a PW50 or a CRF50 and take them and go do this whole process all over again. Right. And that's something I want to talk about in this next thing is because this millennial age demographic, you know, we always hear about, like, Supercross is the key demo because we're trying to go to all these outside sponsors. And, and that's great, you know, because we are a young very affluent you know this is not like you said this is not a cheap thing you have to have some pocket money laying around to go buy a bike or buy gear whatever even if it is the cheapest stuff or something that's out of date you still spend a couple grand that somebody else probably doesn't have this millennial thing though especially right now we all have pretty good money especially guys that are motocross guys that are blue collar dudes yeah you know you you did what you did at fedex I'm lucky that I have a white-collar job, but it's in the most blue-collar industry that there could be as right. far as a sport goes. You know, all my parents did your stuff. Your dad has what he has. Every guy here in here can relate to that, that they come from a working-class background. We still have a lot of money because there's a lot of money to be made in the working-class community. Those dudes are spending a ton of money to come do this, and we need to, like, excite that market back up of like hey man you don't have to come back and think your dad is going to scream and snap the pit board like it was when you were 15 years old it's on your terms now come mm-hmm. have fun if you had a kid in these last few years put him on a stasic put him on a pw50 start this whole process over again and it, even if you don't go hang out with your friends yeah it's it's uh, uh the motocross industry on the local level is very cyclical and it 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 requires new blood at all time i mean the motocross like local motocross is a vampire mm-hmm. we always need another bite we always need more people coming and more come because in from what i see and maybe it's different in different parts of the of the country but like in the midwest the typical duration of a motocross quote-unquote career is about four to five years you burn hot yep and then you go away it's a bottle rocket yep but the thing is those guys that I mean, even after you burn hot, they still follow it. They never get out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are kids that I raced with, kids. There are guys, grown-ass men now, that I raced with Kingsville Saturday night on, you know, 1995 KTM 50s that have had kids, and I'm getting, I'm getting messages from guys that I haven't seen their name in 25 years. Hey, dude, it's Logan Schwartz. Can you give me a graphic kit? Yeah. Yeah. My kid, I just bought my kid a PW50. And and, and whenever I see that, I, I'm like, I'm more stoked out to do that kit than I am to do, um, you know, Ricky Draper's kit. Even though he gives me total free range. I love Ricky. But it's like, he's here. He's been doing it for a long time. But like knowing, see, because I think of, like I'm getting choked up thinking about the first time that... I walked into my garage, and my dad had my 1995 KTM 50SX, white, orange, purple, with a touch of yellow. Okay, and he had a purple crossbar pad, had these big, uh, 
black grips on it and just like coming home from school and seeing that dirt bike for the first time and like immediately I knew that's it that's what I want to do I didn't know anything about dirt bikes I didn't know shit about it my dad grew up racing I mean he was a pro um and then got into um woods racing and qualified for the ISDE like my dad was a bad mofo on a dirt bike Mm -hmm. but that was before I was born it, it never went away though. Yeah. And as soon as I was eight, he bought that 50 SX. So whenever, doesn't that sound like so much fun? Like yeah. just imagine if like we could have like little Anton and little crutcher and have all these things and yeah. just start this whole process over again. Right. But keep going with what you were going with. Okay. So whenever I get to do the, um, decal kit on a kid's first bike and I know that he's going to, go into the garage and he's going to see that PW50 with number 83 and his last name on it and you know the little Fox logo and and of course you know I'm so psyched because I get to put my brands on it Mm -hmm. and Pirelli on the side of the tire or whatever it is and like just remembering sitting in the garage like uh what is that uh what's that old movie that the kid like had the super shitty dirt bike and he was the, the dirt bike kid the dirt bike kid no like that's not just some random funny story no like the, every kid uh, everybody that's listening to this th- you can think of that moment whenever you walk out and you see that thing for the first time and it hits you and you realize this is what I was meant to do do you uh okay we bought Disney plus like Megan did the other mm-hmm. day and first thing that we did when we bought it, like, she went in the other room, and I grabbed the remote, and I found motocrossed. <laughs> Do you remember, like, I don't know what it is for you. I remember seeing that and just being like, that is honestly what set off the California dream for me. Like, I, I want that big mountain in the backyard and that track in the front yard, and I want that house, and I want my kids to enjoy that. Like, I want to live that life. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like, that's exactly what you're talking about. You want to be just part of it. Now – the, my question is: It wasn't so much the high-level pro racing; it was the lifestyle. Did you want? Did you also want the green finger paint uh, on your nails to prevent arm pump? No, we we weren't that progressive in <laughs> our household. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm the anomaly, but yeah, but like that's that's the thing that you're saying. Yeah, that that's one thing. But all of these kids, that was that emotion of like, I have to be a dirt bike rider my yeah. whole life. You know what I mean? And so, it, like, now, I'm not saying I'm concerned for the next generation because I've heard that about our generation so many times that I'm just like, never again. I'll never say something like that. But it does make me wonder, like, whenever I was a little kid and my dad subscribed to Dirt Rider and we'd get it and it has, you know, Steve Hatch on the cover one week and then Guy Cooper the next and then Jeremy McGrath the next and, like, and then uh, Mike Young on a CR80. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing the CEO, we're doing the 80 test, the shootout and like the neon yellow and the neon green of the dirt rider. And then the, the spine was always white with the specific coloring. And, you know, just like that, a super high contrast photo of a dude on an RMX 250 in like Oklahoma, just blasting some like mossy oak tree. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't care. I was, I just was like dirt bikes oh yeah you know and i could i couldn't i mean i could read but i would just flip religiously and like we do start from the back and work my way forward so Mm -hmm. so you work your way through the auto or the uh moto mall 
and then you go back and then you're hitting you know the editorials and then the race reports and the big Rinthal ad I mean it's like the colors and, and the physical holding of it like it makes me wonder the kids now that are growing up that are looking at Instagram and seeing I mean yeah they might follow me and Kevin Moran's and and um, Zach Archer and, and so on and they get to see these badass photos of us will they still have that same connection to it where it's like I can remember seeing that photo for the first time yes mm-hmm. seeing that photo for the first time as I just got off of the school bus and I hit the mailbox and, and stood at the mailbox for like 45 minutes yeah, uh-huh. yeah and I'm standing out there and I'm flipping through and then I realize oh shit I have homework to do my yeah. mom's probably wondering where I am I, I remember one time my mom got like bummed because she's like you stood out by the street for a half an hour reading a dirt bike magazine <laughs> i'm like yeah i mean it just came yeah you know what else am i supposed to do with it but like okay that was the fun thing about coming here like not to you know stroke myself off whatever i'm okay at shooting photos like it's what i love my I man's think, my man's got talent i think i'm so uh well i'm not well rounded at it but i think i know what i want to shoot because i grew up just obsessing over like don and garth and cudby stuff yeah like those three guys and, that, and ken fought and ken, yeah um but, did, real, but did ken take photos i don't know uh i don't think as often okay but like don cudby garth those are the three the fact that i can call all three friends is like unbelievable but like those guys in looking at those photos how they would shoot you know anaheim one or an outdoor national or whatever mm-hmm. that's how i want to do it now so to come out here and shoot photos of these local guys and then give them, just like, yo, dude, here's photos. Just take them. Like, I want you to be pumped on it. I like doing that. I yeah. like that those kids, that these guys, the local guys can see that, and then hopefully there's a local kid that's like, oh, man, like, local moto is cool. I don't have to go do the whole Freestone, no offense to that stuff, like, yeah. that, that has a purpose because that feeds the beast of pro racing, which I love, you know, probably more than anything, but it's a whole different demographic. Mm-hmm. We have to really show, like, there is nothing wrong with being a dude in two-year-old fly gear that you bought on clearance just because you came riding. Like, there right. is always something for you to come ride. The, okay, and see, the difference the difference between me, like, a veteran of the sport, someone that's, you know, in the industry on my own, you know, on my own accord. I'm not, like, you know, uh, an Orange County um, industry guy. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm in it. I've been here. I, I've established myself. This is the thing that I do. There is no difference whenever we're pulling in the gate between me and my setup and this guy right here with this YZ250 mm-hmm. that's a couple years old. And, yeah, he might have a couple year old. I have my glasses off. I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah, no, it's a YZ250, but it's also <laughs> yeah. an A70,000 tri- uh, pickup truck. Okay. So he's wow. – <laughs> homeboy is doing A-OK. Okay. But my point, my point is is that, yeah, there's no difference. Uh, let me – how about this? The guy in the S10 yeah. with, you know, a – 2016 RMZ 250F. Yeah. Whenever we're pulling in the gate, and um, if somebody came up and held a microphone and said, Sir, how stoked are you? I'm just like, ah, I'm so excited to be yeah. here. This is so much fun. And then they go to the next truck. That guy says the same exact thing. Oh, yeah. Just because I go faster on the track doesn't I mean, there's no difference. That guy actually probably has less bad days at the track than I do. Because he doesn't hang it so critically. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, if I'm having a bad day, I'm just like, motherfucker, dude. Oh, I'm going to Cycle Zone next week and buying a 450. You know, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Whereas, like, this dude. Good plug. Yeah. Good plug. Thank you. Whereas, (laughs) Whereas this guy is super excited 
just to be here to participate to have fun and get to experience you know listen I love like the one of the things that I oh my god that I love so much is what um uh is it Tor and Tori at CC yeah at Mm -hmm. CC that like this vibe that they created of just like hey motorcycling is whether, so sick. Yeah. Is whether it's on dirt in behind our coffee shop or at Washugal, it is sick and it's fun. And we're gonna have a campfire and we're gonna smash some cold ones and everybody's gonna be high five and having a good time, telling stories. You know, it's like it's just it's a reason for everybody to get together and have a good time. And yet, but the hard part is is we're also out here competing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, whenever you it, like, if mom and dad don't see those, okay, this guy right here, um, Danny, I I didn't grow up with him. This guy right here fucking loves motorcycles than anybody you know. Yeah, I don't see a motorcycle here. Just I, all the motorcycle proper clothes. Right, exactly. So he used to race, and and he did. You know what he did? He did the whole Loretta. You know, like he was on it. He was all about going to Loretta's. Him and his dad, he had KTM 250Fs, like was all about it, chased the dream, then got on Hondas, said, fuck it, I'm riding the A-Class, rode the A-Class like five or six times, made it, and then got hurt one time, was like, that's it, I'm buying a Harley. So now he's Harley guy, okay? Still a motorcycle. Still a motorcycle, still staying in the industry, and you know Obviously, I just pointed at him. He's here to watch the races. He paid 20 bucks. He paid $20 to get in the gate and watch his friends. Danny came over. He, I was the first person he saw. Gave me a big old hug. High-fived me. Bro, it's been a couple years. How you been? You know, one of those guys. And, like, I don't want that to ever go away. Hey, guys. This is Justin Cooper of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. BC Fit Meals has been a huge tool in my success in keeping me healthy, energetic, and recovering the best possible way I can. All of their meals are delicious, ready to eat, and take the guesswork out of eating right. Visit their site at bcfitmeals.com and sign yourself up today. What's up? This is Justin Barsha of the Monster Energy Yamaha team, and I trust the Rye Helmet. I know that every helmet is handcrafted in Japan, and that the people who work at Rye are obsessed with building the best helmet they can possibly can. Staying safe is a priority for me, and this is why I choose Arai Helmets. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. so. Yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, Being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up guys? Malcolm Stewart. 
Worst Connection has been building and investing aluminum parts in the motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Escondido Action Sports Team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Okay, and I think the thing that, like, I'm kind of green with Envy on this because, like, as I told you earlier, when me and my brother raced in St. Louis, and this makes the whole coming home thing even more weird, I don't have a connection to anybody here because, for whatever reason, we just put ourselves on this isolated island. I don't know if it's because my dad didn't know anybody and really wasn't into the racing thing or if we were just because we're social, like, me and Kyle are, are, are weird. Whatever. We didn't have that whole group at that time. Now... I'm friends with all of those same dudes that I grew up racing with in a roundabout way. Yeah. And it was not from being at the track locally together. We would just go see each other at the bar. We would see whatever. That whole thing, these are people you're going to know your whole life. The Moto Fight Club thing I went to the other day. All 10 of those guys have grown up together their whole life and just want to be together hanging out. And as fun and as important as the professional side of racing is, we cannot always just show that you're nothing in motorcycling unless you hoist a number one plate. Right. This is the coolest shit ever to just come <laughs> here and hang out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, we have to show. And we all know this. There's more than one way to make money and be successful and have fun in this industry. There's not a one-size-fits-all thing. For whatever reason, though, we all force that same mindset down everybody's throats. And then slowly but surely, some people veer off and their eyes open up. And they're like, well, no, I'll do this. I'll make coffee. Mm-hmm. I'll sell graphics. I'll make a lap app that everybody thinks is this totally high-tech thing, and really, it's a video game thing for your phone so you can just talk shit to your friends. Yeah. Hilarious. Like, he, honestly, before Vince told me that today, I was like, oh, yeah, Lap King, it's a GPS thing, da-da-da. He's like, no, dude, it's a game. Like, it's a game. You're the player in the game. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. Totally flips the whole thing on its head. Yeah, and, and like, okay, perfect example. Sorry. Yeah. That's one of those things is, hey, you can have fun at this, but still be competitive. Mm-hmm. It's fun to be competitive. So two weeks ago at OMC, um, there's a kid that, like, I know that I'm faster than him. Mm-hmm. Um, Gavin Delker is his name. He is a great motorcycle rider. But we went to his home turf. Okay, he's an Oklahoma guy. And he started out, he had the lap king. Okay. And you know what that motherfucker did? We're, we're setting on opposite sides of the pits. Out of the blue, I get a text message. I open it. It's Gavin Delker. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he wants. I slide that bitch open, and it's a screenshot of his lap time. Yeah, and like instantly, the competitiveness uh-huh. of like, I got to go out there and do this better than him right now. Precisely. And I'm like, oh. It's like oh, that. Okay, okay, bud. I see how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're boys. We're not that close, but we're boys, but, you know. I, I, I'm going to show you my big dick energy right now. Okay, yesterday <laughs> there was this whole commotion 
of practice here because you had a faster lap time here and none of these guys remember you grew up three hours from here and you've ridden here forever yeah. and they're like oh yeah crutcher cut the track and it's like no dude think about you like you said you are the robbie marshall of winterset iowa Okay, well, <laughs> but like you know what no, I'm no, saying. No, no, I'm the Robbie Marshall of bar to bar. A bar to bar. That's yeah, right. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, Colin Hickman is the Robbie Marshall or, or Wade what, Brommel or Pe- or Preston Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Bar to bar. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I get excited. I get caught yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm an excitable guy, but like that's the thing of it. You know, everybody has their fun. Dude, Brett drove all the way here from California. That is a Brent. Brent. Yeah, it's easy. Brenton is the easy way to remember it. Okay, well. I, the Brent Brent thing like yeah. always gets me because Duff, yeah. I've known Duff forever yeah. and still somehow like I'll type it. I'm like, oh, uh, that's not right. And I st- and like, eh, I'm just I'm dumb, dude. I just like, Duff it. Duff it. Yeah. yeah. We've yeah. Duff's favorite thing to talk about is how many alarms I set in our hotel room because we stayed in Melbourne together in Australia. Sorry, Duff, but yeah, you know it's the same <laughs> thing. It's like the Brent Brent thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like that part of it, you know, he wanted to have fun. He knows, hey, this is just a game. He could go out and do whatever he wants, and he has a cool little deal being the Bolt Rider Sport guy, yeah. all the other things that he's done in the past. There's a fun way to it. You know, He drove all the way out here just to ride with his friends. So while we're talking about, about Brent Rouse, I want to say that if, if you are a privateer in motocross or you are a um, guy that wants to make money racing motorcycles – stop what you're doing and talk to this guy Yeah, because Brent is completely rewriting the books on what it means to be a rider representative. And, and we're not talking about signing big endorsement deals. Brent is, he has his hand in like 30 people's pockets for a nickel, but it all adds up all in a positive way. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't mean that negatively. And he, instead of just being like, yeah, we'll, we'll slap, We'll slap your uh, name on the side of the bike. It's not like that. Like, he goes, okay, if you go to the motocross, uh, outdoor nationals, there's Honda, Geico, uh, Bolt, Patchmaster Racing. And you're like, who the fuck are these guys? And you see that van. If I saw that van driving down the country and I didn't know what it was, that's a legit van. Yeah. The wrap's awesome, all of it. Exactly. So Brent has taken his, I mean, we're the same speed. Mm-hmm. I'm on a good day, maybe good enough to qualify. Yeah. On the right day. Brent has he qualified at Glen Glen Helen twenty eighteen. Okay, so the dude's got speed. His speed is not what is cashing his checks. No. It's his personality and his ability to find what it is that companies want and need. And the number one thing that he does is he asks questions and then he listens and he picks up all that information and he'll go to Brooks at Electron and he'll go to Eric at Boyson and he'll go to the next guy and he will cross pollinate and say, Hey, we're doing this and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to build this CR 250. So can you send me a pipe and can you send me this? Oh, and also I race outdoor nationals. Can you help me do this on my bike? Mm-hmm. Can you write a check for 50 bucks, etc." And there are so many privateers out there that, like, want to do that whole, like, I'm a privateer, therefore I have to take the position of a martyr, you know, the struggling privateer thing. And it's like, hey, if you were just the slightest bit charismatic, all you have to do, put on a smile, ask questions, and listen, and these sponsors will do whatever it takes to sign you. And and I'm not saying million-dollar checks. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants that. 
But let's be honest. Motocross is not the NBA, okay? I, nobody here, nobody, nobody's getting those endorsement deals. One thing that I absolutely cannot stand about our industry is what it means to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. We think, hey, what's a professional motocrosser look like? Just pick a random guy. Jacob Hayes, mm-hmm. right? He's a professional. Feel better, Jacob. Yeah. Or, um, since so we talked about him last night also, Justin Starling. Mm-hmm. Those are professional motocross and supercross racers. What makes them a professional? Is it the AMA card? Is it the fact that they get money from this? Is it the fact that that's what they check? Yeah. It, what is yeah. it? I can tell you. It's the money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there are only two cla- Well, three if you count plus 25. There are two classes that pay money. 250 Pro Sport. 450 pro sport or in uh, you know outdoor mx1 mx2 so on so forth Mm -hmm. if being a professional is simply making money at racing one of the things that like raises my eyebrow is why are there so many guys that think i have to go to outdoor nationals i have to run the whole series i have to get these sponsors i have to go out grind it out I think a part of that and it's the next wave of kids that are coming up from MTF Mm -hmm. that are coming up from the goat farm that are coming up from SOB that have like dropped out of school moved into the training camp you know it's boot camp in October and we're pounding out motos on the supercross track to get ready peak in January exactly Mm -hmm. and so like these little kids like Deegan's kid I mean if he's not the best supercross rider ever by 15. By 15, is that a waste of time? No. Obviously no, no. because dirt bikes. Yeah. But the gist is that... But but I get your point, though. Yeah. People will say, unless he is, it is a failure, and it is not worth it. I mean, dude, so much respect to Adam Censorillo mm-hmm. for so long, like going through so many trial and tribulations and adversity after being, you know, he was... I think that AC came into the pros with more hype than Carmichael, Stewart, mm-hmm. Alessi even. Um, because – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Child. Ch- yeah. A child, a child prodigy. Yeah. But yet he didn't get those – he didn't He didn't start collecting – I mean, wins were tough for him. He didn't collect championships. You know, he, he didn't fulfill that the same way that Alessi didn't. Mm-hmm. No knock on those guys. And one thing I love about Alessi – he is what I would call a um, foreman of racing where he goes where the money is. And I think with this summer playing out the way that it's playing out with this whole COVID-19 thing, will we have outdoor nationals? Will we not? Still remains to be seen. I'm hope like, again, I'm a racing fan. I love racing. I drove six hours to watch a local race. That's how much <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So this anything that I say about, like, hey, you know, it's probably not so, – it's never like I'm eager to see somebody fail or anything like that. It's just a, this is a massive challenge that we've never expected before. And how we react to this is going to set the precedent for the rest of the industry going forward. If there are no nationals, what Marshall Welton did today is the program that every guy needs to follow this summer. There will be so many big money races to go do. How much did Marshall make today because he won three of the four motos? Well, because it's 200%. I can, I, let's see, let me just round about here. So there were 40 guys in Open Pro Sport, and uh, they pay by overall, not by moto here in Iowa. 
200% and it was 40 bucks to ride. So that's, I'm, I'm terrible at math. What's 40 times I don't 40? Know. Is I, that... That's why I do the letters thing. <laughs> I don't do the numbers. So the point being, like, the dude is, um, here, 44 times 40, 1,600 times 2. Okay, $3,200 in one class. And, bro, we are at a local Iowa District 22 race. Plus, bonus. Because he won X amount of races, and he's yeah. it's oh, this is Saturday night. He can still do it again on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Thirty two hundred dollars. That's more than he could make in outdoor nationals in Canada, wherever. And that shows, hey man, you could go do whatever, wherever, find those races. So obviously he that's that's the total purse for the class, and then they'll split that up to the top third. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, the first place is about a thousand dollars of that. Yeah. Okay, so Marshall probably collected two grand today. And um, let's say he does it again tomorrow. So he's going to walk out of here with four grand. Now, when's the last time you heard of a privateer outside of Supercross? Mm-hmm. When's the last time a privateer left a race with four grand? I mean, yeah. Brandon Scherer two years ago at, uh, not Red Bud, the other, Bud's Creek, mm-hmm. you know, where he got like sixth or something like that. And then you had like the Kevin Crying money that gets tossed in, stuff like that. Yeah. But then the thing that goes with that is, too, yeah, Marshall's in a unique position because he's Kawasaki Canada guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these other guys can cash in on contingency money. Yeah. Make way more money. I, I mean, dude, think about how Paul Willis. Paul Willis is the Midwest superhero for how he just pillaged against the Yamaha like bonus fund, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah, Paul, more than one way. Paul Willis was the uh, Midwest version of Barry Carson. Yeah. And and 481. Everybody knows. The Paul Wall. <laughs> yeah. I had to change my number because of Paul Willis. Yeah. And I mean, like, <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm saying, though. There is, that's one other example of another guy that was like, hey, yeah, I could maybe go race Pro Supercross and go do all these things. Or I could stay home, be local, invest in something I love, make a direct impact in everything, and Go make a good amount of money on the side, too. Okay, so there's a guy. I'm not going to say his name, but um, there's a kid that I race with that went to um, a country in um, South America and was getting paid $6,000 a week. Would this be the Costa Rica series? Uh, yeah. 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 Good series. Yeah. was amazing. And that was a, like, it's the same thing with when Eric Bernard starts putting those talks of Bercy. Uh, Bulgaria, the one year mm-hmm. it happened, Geneva, Australia, whatever. If Eric can get you into that race, you yeah. are flush because you know once I have this going on, I'm good forever. Right. Once Eric's on, you're on. And, uh, perf- yeah, like uh, Benny Bloss, the first time that he went to um, Geneva or whichever race it was, he texted me. He's like, Jeff, you won't believe how much money they're paying me. And I'm, I'm like, dude, that's all you should ever do? <laughs> you know, but but the point. Okay. The race that we're at is the Justin Brayton race. JB has made more money than anyone in the history of the sport by overseas races. Yeah, just he has made more money in the overseas races than any other rider, bar none. So the to, to go for full circle with that is like at this race right here, District Twenty Two, Iowa today, tomorrow, Best of the Midwest Championship that covers four states. It's like a six-round series. Tomorrow's 200% plus $500. Mm-hmm. Um, to have races like these. Okay, here's a perfect example. Adrian Galamba, who is a um, kid that he's 
qualifies for every outdoor national that he goes to in the 250F class. He's somewhere between 35 and 21. I don't mm-hmm. think he's ever scored a point. He's a very competitive rider. Um, Adrian and I were riding the other day, and we're talking, and I'm like, hey, dude, how much money do you make whenever you go to an outdoor national and you qualify? And we started breaking down the numbers. And again, let me just say, this is not an, a knock on MX Sports or the Coombs family or the AMA. I, I fucking hate it whenever people are like, they need to pay more money. They need to pay more money. You know what? Honestly, the money's posted and the guys are showing up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they don't need to we pay more We know what money. we're getting into. Yeah, exactly. Those riders need to figure out other avenues of ways to make more money. Perfect example, Kevin Moran's wraps his helmet and sells them for $1,600 every weekend mm-hmm. for a VIP fan package. Michael Lieb did the same thing. I mean, yeah. he was going to just revolutionize everything until he got hurt or yeah. sick or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was so all aboard the Michael Lieb program whenever I found that, you know, that he's doing do this. Okay. Point being, Agent and I are talking about this and like, I'm telling him like, hey dude, do you realize that whenever you go to, let's say... Redbud, the deep track, mm-hmm. okay, and you are nine hours away, and let's last summer gas was two twenty five or so to to get up there and back, plus hotel, plus the two hundred fifty dollars to race, plus whatever expenses it was to keep the bike running. Exactly. Okay, so you start compounding all that in week after week after week, but to to um, just isolate that one race arbitrarily and you start to realize okay adrian you spent 250 dollars to be there you're a professional racer you're gonna go out and you're gonna make 480 dollars on the day okay mm-hmm. while you're at Redbud, literally dying yeah <laughs> for 30 minutes plus two twice i'm gonna go to bar to bar and race the kansas motocross championship series and collect my 200 percent and race against 10 guys that were just all local A riders mm-hmm. and I'm going to leave with more money than you. So who's the bigger professional here? Yeah. Is it the guy that makes more money? I mean, really like at the end of the day, at what level does professionalism scale? Where does it start? Where does it end? I don't know, but I'm not telling people, Hey, don't go to the outdoor nationals. Don't go race. I'm saying maybe it's time we reconsider what it means to be a professional and ways to go about making money in the industry. And when I say we, I mean the collective. The collective we. Yeah, the collective we of, of A-Riders specifically. Mm-hmm. Also, I oh man, if there's one thing that I could say to all the A-Riders out there or kids that are like right on the cusp, if you're right on the cusp, move up. Just do it. Just Honestly, way safer. Yeah. Way safer. Okay. And then. This, the thing that I want to say to all A-Riders out there, if I don't know if guys listen, like that listen to this, but do something to make your local scene better. I don't know. I, I, I don't have the golden ticket to the chocolate factory to tell you what to do. Just do something. Easiest way to start with that, DM your local promoter. John Paul Powell runs the Kansas Motocross Championship Series. I de- you know, I mean, obviously we're friends. Now, just reach out to the guy. Say, hey, dude, what can I do as the guy with 3,200 Instagram followers, just because you're fast and people like following fast mm-hmm. people. What can I do to help benefit you, your series, and the other people there? And it's a pretty simple answer. 
share the information of the race. Mm-hmm. Help me draw entries. Yeah. And odds are they'll comp your entries. Oh, there yeah. are do promoters all across the country. If you're willing to work with them, they will comp your entries. I mean, at Cycle News, that was the allure of if you write for Cycle News back in the day when they were doing the local scene reports, local race reports, if you were smart enough, you could compound it and go, hey, if I cover this race and I shoot a couple photos and I do the legwork to get this to Cycle News, will you cover my race entry? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. They dropped, well, back in the day, 50 bucks. Yeah, for two classes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so be creative. Think of ways. And even if you're just like a regular plus 30B rider or something like that, figure out a way to make the scene better. Because like I said earlier, the motocross industry is a vampire. We need new blood. And we also need the people that are in it to have a lot of fun mm-hmm. because that fun obviously any positive energy radiates outward and it's infectious and other people want to be a part of it mm-hmm. bro whenever we got off of the track from that last plus 25 moto and we're literally screaming in each other's faces fight high-fiving you know just chest bumping like ah, that was the sickest thing you did this and i tripled over you and i cut underneath you don't see that at the pro races no. and honestly Okay, back to that millennial thing. The millennial, the, if you if you read any kind of thing about that and what the marketing and all that bullshit says, we are a age demographic that would rather have experiences over possessions. Yeah. That is the experience you sell. Yeah. This is the best thing you could ever do with your friends. That whitewater rafting and all that bullshit, whatever. That's cool if you want to do it. Go do the Grand Canyon thing one time. You can do this every weekend somewhere. Every weekend, and and the best part of the the best part of the country to do it is where we are right here mm-hmm. in the Midwest, aka flyover country. There are so many people in the industry that just completely write us off. And honestly, weird thing about that too, because when you get that's like when I got to California, I started figuring out there's a ton of dudes from Texas, there's a ton of dudes from Iowa, there's a ton of dudes from here. It's yeah. it's. And it goes on to this global thing, too, of like, well, this is how, you know, viruses and all that bullshit gets spread. But we're it's so big, but it's still so small. We're all into the same thing together, and you can't forget where you come from. And, and like, having this conversation with you, I really wanted to have this talk with you because you and I are in that same mindset but on polar opposites of it because you're the guy that invested directly back into it. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. the guy that was – you would buy gear. You were telling Darkseid earlier today you bought that 125 after you got done with the whole Supercross – uh, inside track deal. Yeah. Built a bike off motorsport clearance deals. It was awesome. And that's how you got back into it after this other, you know, whatever, yeah. went to Florida, all mm-hmm. that stuff. That's cool. Me, you know, I'm in this, you know, very privileged position that I love and I respect and it is everything I ever thought and it's because of people like, you know, Fly Racing that wants me, hey, could you wear our gear? Could you talk about this? Could you do this? Yeah. We're in to- two totally different things. At the same time though, my responsibility to invest into these companies and show them, hey, this is why you need to be with us. This is why we want to be with you. We're all trying to push this bigger, broader message of motocross or motorcycling is so fun. Yeah. Please go do this with us. This is not just a give us the check. We're going to run your ad. See you when we <laughs> see you. I want to make people go, oh, my God, I have to be a motorcycle rider. Right. Like these last few weeks, you know, there's been a lot of on the Kickstart podcast and, and you helped me. You were trying to help me get a, a deal set up with this local dealership. And I felt so guilty of like trying to con a de- not con a deal, but like get a deal because of like my position in the industry. And it's like, dude, fuck, you're just fucking so stupid because you should just go buy the bike. You should just go do this. You're a 20, you are a 25 year or 23 year AMA life member. I haven't had an AMA membership in years. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I don't do 
that I feel that I should do because that's what would promote the industry, but at the same time, I'm giving back in a different way. Ideally, I would do everything. Buy shit, give, you know, use my position and my voice and the platform that we at Swap Model Live have. But, like, to your point about Prince Deal, use your thing. Make everybody understand that we're only going to get better at this if we all work together and all want to provide a message instead of just cash grab, run out the door. And, and like, to go back to the very beginning where I said we're the proprietors, mm-hmm. I can't do what I do without Brent Rouse. Brent yeah. Rouse can't do what he does without Vince Bonaleone. Vince can't do what he does without Scott Gabkin. Scott- I can't do what I do without you guys. Right. And see, that's the thing is, like, we, it is all so spiderweb together, but yet it's totally off of the radar at the same time. Yeah. You know, like, what we're doing here in Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Illinois. Like, Every state. Dude, Europe is doing the same thing. It happens everywhere at a local level. If there's yeah. a motorcycle track near you, it's happening. This same little Petri dish is still having all of the same elements happen. And, like... It's for the longest time, you know, whenever motocross was in the quote unquote, like the golden years, the heyday of, you know, the McGrath and the Mm -hmm. MA era. Like if you saw the Supercross entries, 90% of them were from Escondido and Corona and, you know, whatever out in in Southern California. It was like, oh, Southern California runs the sport. Mm -hmm. Everybody's from there. But like now, if you look at Supercross entries or the, um, the outdoor national entries, Odds are most of the guys at those races are from the Colorado Rockies and the East Mm -hmm. in the flyover country and the Eastern seaboard. That really like that's the bulk of motocross racing. It just happens that the industry is way out that way on the other side where it's always uh, warm weather. Yeah, Rightfully so. Rightfully so. And it's and slowly changing, you know, Yamaha moving to. Georgia, Georgia, yeah. a lot of stuff there. Other, uh, a lot of companies have moved to Texas over the last few years, and and that's all business stuff and whatever. But at the same time, too, those were the first places in all of this situation to really be like the barometer of, hey, how is this industry going to come back from this? California was shut down. I mean, dude, are these guys going to ride? We don't know. We don't know. And you look a couple hundred miles away, and you're like, dude, they're riding. They're buying bikes. They can't. You can't find a KTM 150 anywhere in the Midwest right now. Right. You know. And it's it's so many things, and, like, we've kind of rambled at this thing, but this is when you start talking about this, you start pulling pins from one place, and you just go down the next rabbit hole and whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's what I do. I mean, that's what we yeah. both did. I mean, remember the Deerberg right. conversation that we yeah. had where I thought I was getting kicked out of the grocery store a few weeks ago. <laughs> but, like, to all of those points, yeah, Supercross is important. Yes, pro racing at any level is important. Yes, it should always be the prior. It should always have a main attention level and it should be there but at the same time too you can't forget about all these people that are here you know it's raining outside these people have a bonfire going like that's just how into it they are yeah supercross if it's going to rain a lot of people don't show up you know you have to and that's not hating on anything but you just have to know people are into it still you know Mm -hmm. it's all good we just have to always instead of just highlighting one thing highlight everything highlight how awesome this all is the the motocross industry i think would stand to benefit majorly if we accepted the fact that it is participant driven and um like the the promoters of listen i i love the guys that run feld i love the guys that run mx sports every we all have the best interest mm-hmm. in in mind for the direction of the sport 
it's very easy to sit from the armchair and point, oh, well, the, you know, they're screwing us and the, the whole Limegate thing and, you know, they need to pay the guys more money. That There's always going to be situations like that. That's sports in That's general. That's life. That's, yeah, thank yeah. you. Our industry perhaps should invest more into the fact that we are participant-driven. Mm-hmm. And if anything, all we always hear... If we could only be more like NASCAR, if we could only be more like NASCAR, and, and and I get it, because they're the biggest motorsport, and it's so easy to point the finger at, hey, those are the big boys. Why aren't our athletes getting paid the money that those guys are? Mm-hmm. Like the dude, you know, if if um, Brian Vickers has a bad race and DNFs, he's still getting paid a million dollars, yeah, or whatever arbitrary yeah. example. But if I have a bad race and I DNF. I'm loading the bike up and I've lost 500 bucks on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So instead of like us pointing the finger of being, we need to be more like NASCAR. I want to see us be more like soccer. Yeah. And, and this is a discussion that we've had. Yes. And we both totally agree on because, because number one, everybody that watches soccer games plays soccer. Mm-hmm. Everybody that watches motocross races, races motocross. Mm -hmm. Everybody that buys a, what's the guy's name? Ronaldo Messi. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Everybody that buys his jersey. Two separate guys, actually. Ronaldo. And Messi, two different dudes. Who's Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo. Got it. Yeah. Hey. See, we just know. We just know. (laughs) Yeah, I know the names. LeBron. LeBron. That's just, it's like Prince. One name. Yep. (laughs) But like. Dude, do you know how pumped I would be if I was Eli Tomac and I'm sitting in my Kawasaki trailer and I look, I crack the window open and there's some guy standing out there in my jersey? Just freaking out. Dude, I would just be like, yes, I hit I hit the jackpot. I hit the lottery. This is awesome. Now, obviously, you become accustomed to that type of lifestyle. And sometimes you don't like it anymore because it, the pressure that comes with that. Absolutely. And all these things, yes. A la Villapoto. Mm-hmm. So... The the thing about, like, the soccer players is, like, these guys, they are gods among men. They are the elite. They are the pinnacle of the sport. And they are not, like, they're not brute savages, but they have almost the same exact physicality that motocross does in it being an endurance sport mm-hmm. and physical. Yeah, they have the whole theatrics and stuff element to it. Motocross, obviously, far more savage, but like at the same time, I would like to see us get away from, you know, showing the crash reels and and the fight highlights and, and the grimaces of pain. And yes, yeah, mm-hmm. no, like, ev- dude, everybody that races, whenever we see that video of Kenny being carted off and he's screaming, I refuse to watch know? it. I watched his crash one time. I never watched it again. Yeah, Anytime just, it comes on, I just look the other way. Look the other way. Mm-hmm. So it's time we get past that and instead take the um, Formula One route or the um, soccer route mm-hmm. and prop these guys up to be these like unobtainable, you know, just like gods because of how awesome they are at riding motorcycles. And okay, to back that up, to. It, because, as you said, these guys are about the same physicality, about the same size. Like, we're not these big, brute, 300-pound linemen, NFL guys. Full disclosure, uh, if you look at the group, 
that is a very attractive like lineup. A bunch of young, fit, good-looking, well-dressed, well-groomed, 20-something-year-old dudes. Yeah. Like, bro, people should just be like, they look like rock stars. And they look, they yeah. fly to a different place. Most of them ride a motorcycle that's worth more than some people's cars and houses combined. <laughs> and the, they have a stadium full of like forty to 70,000 people just freaking the, Screaming. Freaking the yeah. fuck out at anything they do. Those yeah. dudes, we have to, instead of it being like, dur, 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 yeah, 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 you need to do that. We always need to talk about like they are legit athletes because that's a big selling point. But at the same time, they are these like modern-day gladiators that are awesome. And, and Gladiator in the coolest way. Movie yeah. star. Yeah. Bring back the whole, like, allure of racing. Yeah, there's a little bit of danger to it, but, God, it is just so sexy. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so, like, whenever I'm just having introspective moments and I think about what it is that I do, like, there will be times whenever I'm sitting at the track and I'll be like, oh, man, I'm riding very well today. And then I'll, I'll be looking at my bike and I'm like, dude, I am riding a literal rocket ship a combustion engined rocket ship that burns an exhaust fume that is made from god himself straight up dinosaurs <laughs> yeah, li- yes <laughs> and smells so amazing uh-huh. okay and i have somehow or another built the talent to be able to you know wrangle this thing into doing what I want it to do and like I fly through the air Aubrey my girlfriend earlier she was like I watch you guys and I just think I wonder what it's like to fly right and that's such a taken for granted and I've asked you like what's it like to be fast yeah like just the granular like hey what's it like to like know like I'm fucking good at this yeah you know what I mean and, and okay so let me finish what I'm saying is that like there's a big um triple step up thing out here I would say you know, from takeoff point of the face to landing 85 feet, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we're going third taped to make it. And whenever I'm sending that thing, like, obviously I'm looking ahead, planning the single and then the single after that and thinking, how the fuck do I catch up to Brent Rouse without washing out Mm -hmm. over, you know, this hard pack section. Aubrey as a spectator is watching me like, He's flying, you know. This is so cool. Yes, yeah. it's so cool. And, and and like we need to take a step back and think about how cool motocross is and like share it with mm-hmm. our friends and our family and do something to like bring the stoke up and show the guys, you know, like just think of like how many times has a coworker or a buddy of you shown you a clip of some like the World Rally Championship guys? Mm-hmm. Like you watch that and you're just like Oh my God, how could somebody ever, ever do that? Mm-hmm. And then those guys watch videos of us race dirt bikes and, and freak out. Yes. And they're like, you are literally the craziest person alive. How do you do any of this? This is insane. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously I think it's just an insular thing, but we need to tap into that. Make, make motocross cool again. You know I mean? It's like, no, I totally agree. It, it's it, it is literally the coolest thing on earth and we have let's see there were 650 entries today so you've got 400 families families here that brought multiple people and we're all out here having a blast having a good time we got campfires hot dogs on the grill you know they've got pit bike races going on right now right now they're doing a lap jam thing where like 
these kids, if you want a moto today, then you are entered to go out onto the pit bike track and uh, try to get a fast lap time. And if the fastest lap time winner takes home a Justin Brayton edition CR125F. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That is like, oh, my God. And you like, and you look at the NFL and you're like, hey, you could get a football. Like if you win the punt pass and kick challenge at your school, like we might throw you like a football. Yeah. Or, that is badass. Or at very, very best case scenario, uh, you'll be a flag waver out on the on the field. Yeah. Or, or you'll get to high five some of the kids. Now, I mean, short of like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I mean, yeah, the gist of what you're saying. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, the but, return on investment, abs- much different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to I, – I, listen – I don't have the answers. I, 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 I no. hardly even have the questions, but I see it and I think, ooh, how do, I, how do I make this better for everyone? What do I do? How can I make this just more awesomer, more cool? And, I mean, my, my contribution to it is just stoking out the promoters and trying to get, you know, I've got almost 5,000 followers on Instagram. My goal every weekend is to get 10% of them which is 50, right? Mm-hmm. Is to get 10% of them to go to the same race that I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Because then... on me. Yeah, because then the promoter, okay, that's $20 in the gate, so now he's got, you know, X amount. Then another $40 to race, and then another, you know, $7 in hot dogs, etc. As the promoters can build more badass tracks, more people come. Mm-hmm. The more people that are coming, the better, um, you know, the uh, Cycle Zone KTM, the, you know, the more deals they're able to make. Mm-hmm. We've got new units moving in. We can cut you a deal and put you on Team CZ. And then, you know, also, yeah, then Fox has a bigger budget. And 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 um, PJ1 has a bigger budget. And all of a sudden, everybody's booming the same exact way like a Mennonite community or like the Jewish community does. You keep the money in it and build it from the inside and it will success outward i would love like nothing more than like delta or hertz or marriott to get involved in this because in the same way that like pj1 and fox which is why you mentioned fox so much you're a fox guy like this is a fly podcast crutcher has the fox hookup but like your little group of people that you rely on all the time i would love nothing more for like i said delta hertz Marriott to come into Moto and just be like, where do we need to sign this check to? Okay, so let me tell you but, something. Hold on, let, let yeah, me just yeah. bring this up. A couple years ago, right before Ryan Dungey signed to KTMs, mm-hmm. I had four bikes and a ten thousand dollar parts allowance with KTM USA with a title sponsor of Choice Hotels. Really? Yeah. Myself and Tanner Moore, a kid from Topeka, that uh, he became a uh, regional arena cross championship. We were going to go chase the AMA cha- arena cross series. Mm-hmm. And we had this whole thing predicated around the bikes. And the he had a badass sprinter and um, choice, which is like Clarion, choice, comfort, etc. Like they have a whole chain. There's every single town has one of their hotel mm-hmm. chains in it. And I was like, that's the biggest expense. So if I can get them to write me a check for free and get them in and bring them in and see, hey, this is dope. And every single person at this race here is going to stay at a hotel. Imagine if we could turn them into a Choice Hotels uh, chain customer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that would be great if we could get one of those big names in. But how do we do that? Exactly. To that point, it is... We need to try to get that. We should always try to get that. But instead of 
trying to sell it to just one thing. It's not just people at the pro races that are going to this stuff. Mm -hmm. You have to go then sell it to, I I stayed at a Barriott hotel to stay up here. You know what I mean? You still have to get a hotel to go do some of these races unless you're pushing the toy hauler. Right. There is so many ways instead of just one way to bring that money into the sport. And everybody has to put that thinking cap on and figure out like, man, what could I do? Like, how do I, what connection do I have somewhere to help do that? There's a kid that is a very good pro level racer. Um, that that's his whole thing. All of his sponsors, all of his everything to fund his racing deal are all outside of the industry stuff because he's like, oh yeah, they just like have faith in me and they just, I do what I need to do and they're into it. So did he, did he, is he really charismatic? Very charismatic. Very well put together. You you have to do that. And he sees the big picture of like, they just want to put some money in here and hope they get some investment on it. Mm -hmm. But like at the same time, they know like it's probably going to result in a little bit of business for us. You know what I mean? And to your point earlier of like, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers either. I've never once tried to say like, oh man, I fucking know everything and everybody should listen to me. I just (laughs) want... If we did this one thing... Yeah, yeah, because it ain't going to be that way. (laughs) But when I'm locked in my house watching, you know, 2001 bar to bar and I'm just freaking out thinking about all that stuff, I'm thinking like, man, what could we do, all of us, to get back to that point? Not that... Not even back to that point. What could we do just to progress moto even further into the next step whatever it is and all of us have some kind of idea that you just got to act on then you know what i mean it's not you might not be the factory honda thing that you're going to sell it but you as an individual at your local track could make a huge difference you call figure out how you could make more money in your local community and this whole thing is going to get bigger yeah and then every everyone prospers everybody here i mean it's it, it truly is like the the motocross community as a whole i mean it's um it's like hands helping hands helping hands helping hands mm-hmm. you know where where we're all in this thing together mm-hmm. because if tony wink the promoter of this track doesn't if he doesn't open the gates we're not here mm-hmm. and wh- where do we go mm-hmm. i mean obviously this is a very strange time where we've got guys on, at a Saturday District 22 race from all corners of the country here because it's a sparsely populated area and we are able to congregate, you know, because there have been a you know, minimal amount of coronavirus cases here. And so it's... Ah, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, like, to that point... Okay, the working class thing earlier. You don't have to go pitch your idea to some Fortune 500 company. Right. Bro, find the guy that drills wells in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I do that. Dude, Dakota Tedder. That whole family is not a, you know, Fortune 500 family. They're very well off because of what they did right. with all the fiber optic stuff and all that. But, like, there are those industries that would more than willingly love to get involved in this because they're going to bring somebody in who's then going to make a connection to another big industry and go, hey, how can we make money off this thing together? Yeah. Jimmy Button told me that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Button's like, you watch this IndyCar thing, and you're like, man, how do those guys get those sponsors that we don't have? It's because the people that are at that decision-making level go, what relationship am I going to find in the sport that I'm going to make more money off of? Yes, I'll make money from motocross or racing, but 
I'm probably also going to meet this person from another thing, and we're going to make some super mega business deal that's going to come together like Voltron, and we'll all be rich off of it. <laughs> and also, like, instead of, like you said, instead of trying to go after these Fortune 500, $100,000 checks, you know, where just we're all on, you know... Uh, easy Street. Easy Street, exactly. Yeah. Instead of going it that way, start small. Dude, $25 goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, don't just... It is, I, I want everyone to listen to me right now. It is never enough to simply throw the logo on your bike. Anytime that somebody comes to me with gimmick or with um, rip and ruts and they're like, oh, dude, I'm going to represent your brand. You know, we'll run your logos on my bike. And I'm just like, okay, show me. You're a great photographer. Okay. How many photos, how many great photos uh, uh, did you take today where you can clearly read the logos on the bikes? I'd have to look. Not so often, but sometimes also, though, I uh, you have to make that a point because yeah. you know, like, I, when I shoot fly stuff, I always know I need to get the fly logo. If it's right. Scott, same thing. I want it to be clear. People that are going for that at the same time. But then also to that point, you find the photographer in your area and you go, hey, dude, you really got to focus in on this shit. Yeah. Okay. But point being is that just because my logo is on your bike is not going to sell me. No. You know, that's not going to sell my shit. What's going to sell my shit is you being cool. I want you to be cool. I want you to be unique. I want you to be one of one. And I want you to represent yourself in the way that is most you. Mm-hmm. Because that, whenever you're cool and then you have my sticker kit on your bike, that makes me cool. You being cool endorses my coolness, drives me sales. Mm-hmm. Okay? So again, cyclical. So as opposed to like trying to cash these big checks or going after gigantic sponsors or something like that, where you said, start with somebody small, start with the neighborhood, you know, lawn and garden guy. And the cool thing is generate content. Mm -hmm. There has never been a more awesome opportunity than now for content generation because I mean, yeah, throwing the logo on the bike isn't enough. Let's say, um, Jared Smith's lawn and garden company has, you know, we're, he has John Deere lawn mowers and, and you ride uh Kawasaki kicks to mm-hmm. How cool would it be for Jared's, um, Facebook profile landing page for the header photo to be two John Deere tractors and a brand new Cowie 250F with black, you know, black rims and the DLC forks. And then Jared's mowing across the shroud. And that's, that's, the, that's the landing page. And obviously, that dirt bike has nothing to do with, with lawn mowing. But every single person that is on a Facebook market pay, Marketplace is going to click on Jared's lawn mowing. And they're like, well, I need a guy to come on. Hey, this guy does something cool. Okay, and you know that works. That's a proven fact that that works because back when in like when I was a little kid, 2000, 2002, 2005, in sprint car racing, there was this uh, one sponsor, Volcano Joe's Coffee. And they had the most bitchin' looking car. Joey Saldana drove for it for a while. I know this is all stuff you don't know about, but somebody listening to this thing knows. It was this beautiful black car with red and yellow accents on it. And then on the wing of it was this big volcano. I looked for 10 years to find Volcano Joe's Coffee. I have never found it. (laughs) But I've searched for 10 fucking years to find this stuff that probably does not exist. Yeah. It works. It works to put your thing out there. Mm-hmm. It works in all forms of racing. It doesn't just have to be the same one-dimensional sponsor. It could be anything. Yeah. You just have to activate good on it and make people be like, 
bro, what is that? I got to look into it. And also think like, what, what can I give them? Like, okay. The, the best way to figure out how to extract the most out of a sponsor is to be a sponsor yourself mm-hmm. and, and write a check for somebody and say, Hey, here's what I expect out of you. Here's what I want. And then realize, Oh wow. Every time I've ever asked for money, I did it wrong. <laughs> you can never go, Hey, everybody else I forgot on the podium. Yeah. You cannot do that. That's yeah. the number one thing you can't do. Yeah. And anyone else I forgot. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And also, I, uh, I can't thank my sponsors you got to really put that last word on there. Enough. Enough. Uh, hey, we're going to wrap this thing up because yeah. we've gone on for an hour and a half. But to the one point that I think that we've raised every time here, you can. there is not one size fits all to doing this. There is not one way that's the definitive right way to be a motorcycle racer or rider or whatever it is. You don't ever even have to race. It's fun to race. I love racing. You love racing. Mm-hmm. It's the competitiveness in us. But... You could just be a, the weekend warrior that just has your kids spend vet track or you know mini bike laps all day on the yeah. pit bike track. We should really, really stop thinking that there's only one way to do it, and anybody that shows up that looks different than you or wears outdated gear or has an old bike or whatever, you gotta not view them as an outcast. If they're an asshole, by all means. Yeah. But if it's just a genuine guy, you see, hey man, he needs help. This kid's having a problem. He, you know. That bike clearly is not something that he knows how to work on. Maybe we'll help him jet it. Hey, dude, you should probably tighten your chain. How much air pressure are you running in your tires? You really have to become more embracing to everything because think about how many guys have probably come to the track before that were like state park guys, went to Flat River in Missouri or something Mm -hmm. like that, and then one day was like, I'm going to go try to race, and then they got made fun of and never came back. Right, yeah. No, I mean, it's – but also we're the same type of – we're the same type of people that if you wear your jersey to a Supercross race... Oh, clowned on. Dude, yeah. And I'm, I've, I'm guilty of doing that, but then I'm also a guy that wore my jersey to the race as 13 years old. Right. So, no. I If I see someone at the Supercross track on Saturday night and they're wearing a rider's jersey, I want to go up to that guy and hug him and be like, you are the most important person here. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> I, okay, back to the sprint car thing. I have hundreds of sprint car T-shirts that yeah. were $25 a pop that I'd be like, Mike, you need to go buy me this Jack Cotton Child T-shirt right now, and I need to go wait by his trailer until he signs it. And it could be 11.30, midnight o'clock at you know Tri-City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois. My dad made sure I got there and waited because he knew we were super fans of it. Yeah. And we have to I, – I remember how that was, and I see fans, super fans of the sport, and I've, I've – been so fortunate to meet super fans of it that like come up and they we genuinely just feed off of each other's appreciation for this thing this is how our whole friendship got started Mm -hmm. like dude we have to be more embracing and welcoming of everybody of all ways and demographics and everything to make this thing go off the way it needs to i think the best way to sum it all up is um scott stapp with arms wide open (laughs) all right uh nine o'clock here we've gone on for an hour and a half jeffrey thank you as always yeah. ripping ruts gimmick coffee all good things over here um we're gonna have a lot of fun with this we're gonna come back tomorrow watch this race have everything go on thanks for listening to this uh podcast go support local moto go support pro moto go to supercross buy the nbc gold pass to watch these last seven races if the nationals come this year and you're able to go dude go to it go do whatever you can to keep money involved in moto because we're only going to get better for this together Thanks for listening, guys.